more about that later. Let's see. Prayer meeting, Wednesday at 7.15. For next Sunday, I, uh, I'm not quite sure what all to say about this, but they're, uh, where the location is going to be. Uh, stand up, please, and we'll pray together. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for gathering us here. Thank you, Lord, for the worship service so far, the singing and the, the children's lesson. We just pray that you would help us to apply those to our lives in every way. And Lord, it's a blessing also to have Brother Neil here. I pray that you would anoint him. Just fill him with your Holy Spirit as he shares with us what you've laid on his heart. Fill us our hearing with your Holy Spirit as well as we receive it. And I pray that you'd send us home changed. And Lord, I pray that you'd go through us, go through this, this next week with us. Bless Timothy and Miriam as they prepare for marriage. Pray that uh, you would be glorified in that gathering, but especially, Lord, in that marriage. And I pray, God, that you would just fill each one, guide each one that's here. Bless each one for being here. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Well, good morning. Yes, hear me all right? I'm used to having a lapel mic, so uh, if I get too far away from the pulpit, let me know. Or, uh, oh, and I was asked if I could share. Uh, uh, I asked, you know. I thought, well, I have notes from a previous message because I knew I probably wouldn't have time to study for a new message. So I guess I could say that this is uh, leftovers. You know, how you put leftovers in the fridge and you pull them back out and reheat them. Sometimes they're good and, and sometimes they're not so good. But I, I hope and pray that this message will speak to you. It's, I guess it's a burden in my heart. Uh, and maybe last time I shared here, I may have shared the same it might have been the same flavor of a meal that I'm going to bring to you this morning. But I do have a burden for the church. Uh, it's something that the Lord laid on my heart years ago, and, and part of it was maybe through the tape ministry we had, the uh, CD ministry it progressed into from tapes. And, and so I had a burden for these people who went to these homeschool conferences, and they were truly seeking the Lord. And, and so I had a burden for them. I, it, the Lord just generated a real burden for the church that's out there, the worldwide universal church, the body of Christ, however you want to term it. And I still do. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, Brother Roger has a, he reaches out to the lost, and that's a, that's a ministry. Uh, but I think there's a place to reach into the church. There's people out there that are seeking. There's people out there that are, uh, seeking for something more than what they have out there in these churches. And I, I really feel a burden for these people. And part of that may come from the, the tape ministry and just seeing these people that are truly thirsty. So I, I put a question to you this morning. How is your vision? How is your vision? You may say, well, what, what do you mean by vision? I mean, we can have our physical vision, our vision for your life, vision for the church. And I want to, there's some parallels that go between those, and I would like to look at our physical vision and our spiritual vision. 
And I remember when Brother Phil came out when we first started back as Living Waters, he, he said, you need a vision. He told us that you need a vision. I don't know if he told everybody in the church there, but he, I remember him telling me that you need to get a vision. And you know what? I, it was one of those things that I kind of had trouble. What does he mean? And, and I guess through some hardships, <coughs> I've understood what he means. And, and you need a vision. And you young people need a vision. Uh, you as a church need a vision. Uh, especially Brother Roger and Brother Jeremy. They need a vision. And they, their vision needs to be together to lead this church. <clears throat> and so I kind of understand what uh, Brother Phil now, when he's talking about you need a vision, we need a vision. <clears throat> and uh, I remember listening to some of the Bible school messages, and I don't remember which one or who the speaker was, that oftentimes when you look out on a congregation, you see a bunch of young people, and you look at the adults, the, the leaders of home, uh, that the leaders of home are, are the church. And I really appreciated who the speaker was. Maybe uh, you young people who were there could tell me the name. I don't remember it was Dale Gish. I listened to quite a bit of his. But he said that he looked at the young people and says, you are the church of today. And I like that. Uh, you young people, it's, you're not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. Anybody remember which speaker shared that? I mean, that phrase stuck with me that uh, oftentimes we overlook our young people, and especially with these uh, courtships and, and weddings coming up. Uh, you are the vision. You are the church of tomorrow. What is your vision? Uh, you are the church of today. Uh, so we don't just, you know, just... The, the adults aren't the one that carries the burden for a vision. You, you young people really have a tremendous impact on the church. So this is not just for the older people. The, the adults, the, my age, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I look down uh, at my age now, and I'm one of the older ones out here now. And that's really when Brother Phil was coming, I was not one of the older ones. And now I'm in that position. But it's not me. I mean, I'm not the one that's to carry the vision for the church Totally, it's, it comes upon the young people. You young people have a tremendous impact on a fellowship. So I'd like us to ask ourselves, how is our vision? <clears throat> and as we look at our physical eyesight, <clears throat> our vision, you know, we may think our vision is fine. I mean, I go and get my license renewed and, and I pass the test, but I don't know how... I haven't been to an eye doctor for 30-some years. I mean, I think my vision is pretty good, although the modern-day technology has improved and the print has gotten smaller, it seems like. So it's not my eyesight, you know. It's not my eyesight. Anybody agree with that statement? You know, the modern-day technology is just the printers are getting better, so they print it smaller all the time. So I know I could probably use benefit from maybe reading glasses, but I don't want to sit here and... So I, you know, how is my vision? I don't really know how my vision is. I've heard people that go to an eye doctor and they get an eye test and and they I need glasses and then they put them on and they say, wow, I didn't know I could see so much better now. Well, it's that way in the spiritual realm too. Sometimes we don't know how our spiritual vision is until somebody comes up along and shares with us, you know. Our brother can be our, our, our eye doctor. And I think of when <clears throat> Simeon 
was uh, little. I mean, he was pretty small. And uh, he'd come up and out in the driveway. I remember him, you know, talking to him in the driveway or something. He'd look up, which I, which I, he'd always close. I think it was this eye. So his left eye. That's anyway. He would look up at me like this. I, I thought, well, that was just Simeon's. That was just Simeon. He'd do that. It was just a habit he'd do. But you know what? His left. Is that left eye? Which eye is it, Simeon? That's his left eye. <clears throat> He's blind in that eye. I don't know how many of you know it. I mean, with corrective lenses, he can actually see 2,400. I mean, he's legally blind in that eye. I mean, the, the big letters, the big E on the chart, he, he can kind of see it if he closes his good eye. And we tried to work with him. The doctor said, well, Pat's a good eye. And, and he's out riding around on a bicycle Pat, with, that, uh, with that good eye patched. And... Uh, we look back at it like, that was not a safe thing to do. I mean, give a driver's license to a legally blind person, that don't sound like a good plan. <laughs> His eyesight was bad. We didn't know how bad it was until we went to the eye doctor. And until he got older, then we could start identifying how bad it is. The eye is good and healthy. It's the, <clears throat> something with the brain shut that eye off. So it just didn't, it doesn't focus. <clears throat> And we can be that way spiritually. We can lose our focus. We cannot see things properly. <clears throat> so sometimes we need help with our physical vision to identify issues or problems. And sometimes we need, our, need somebody else's help with our spiritual vision. And I'd like to turn to Proverbs 20, 29.18. It says, <clears throat> Proverbs 29:18 <clears throat> says here, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, this, uh, my other Bible, I used to have the German translation. Anybody remember how the German translation went on that verse? I thought... <clears throat> Yeah, without, I don't remember whether they used vision in that one. In the German translation, I think it says, where there is no vision, the people become wild and wicked. I think. Does anybody have, nobody else's, I remember his brother Denny or somebody shared <clears throat> the German translation of that verse. And it was very interesting. But, <clears throat> where there is no vision, the people perish. I mean, this is, this is life and death. A spiritual vision is life and death. And if you look at, at that word uh, for vision, it's oracle, word, or sight. So where there is no, nothing of God's word, an understanding of God's word, the people perish. And that, become, that means to be unrestrained, lose control. And I believe that's very common in, in uh, modern-day Christianity. It's, the word doesn't mean as much as it used to. <clears throat> so the people are losing direction. They're losing vision in their spiritual life. They're losing vision for the future. <clears throat> and in Amos, there's a few verses here. <clears throat> in 
in uh, chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse uh, 11 and 12 says here, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. And if we just comprehend and understand that verse a little bit and ponder it, it's truly a sobering verse. But the days are going to come, and there's going to be a famine. And it's not a famine of physical bread, nor of water, but hearing the words of the Lord. And I think, do people hear the word of the Lord today? Are people willing? Are we willing to truly hear the word of the Lord? Are we willing to let a brother speak into our life and challenge us and to test our vision? to test our spiritual vision. <clears throat> and it's according to God's word <clears throat> that we need to uh, have our vision tested. Is uh, Are you willing to allow God's word to speak into your life, to examine your life, to be a mirror <clears throat> into our life? <clears throat> and to remember, and there in Proverbs, it's a matter of life and death. The people will perish. If you do not have a vision, you'll be misled. You'll perish. <clears throat> and that's a fearful thought. And I'd like to turn here and look at some examples of people that did not have a vision out of the Bible. <clears throat> and we'll look at the example of the children of Israel in, in 1 Samuel. <clears throat> we'll turn here and read out of 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'll get there. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, First Samuel. This is when Israel was desiring a king. And it was a pretty sad time in Israel. But in First Samuel chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, Then the elders of, of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. And I mean, that's a sad statement there. And may we, we may ask, why did not Samuel's sons walk in his ways? He was, <clears throat> he was being a prophet there. Why did he not, the children not carry on his vision? <clears throat> and truly, you know, our children are a reflection or a vision. Uh, they are a reflection or a vision. <coughs> Excuse me. So his sons were not walking in his ways. Um, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. I'll continue reading here. <coughs> and the thing displeased Samuel. When they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. 
For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. That's a very sad statement. That they didn't want the Lord God to reign over them. They wanted to be like the other nations around them. <clears throat> so what was the children of Israel's vision? They wanted to be like the nations around them. Why? I mean, they had the Lord God to be their king, to be their leader. And they wanted to be like the nations around them. <clears throat> can we do the same thing as Christians today? We can have that. We want to be like the people around us. And just like the children of Israel. And what a wreckage. I mean, we, we know the story as it goes on. It was a mess. It was sad. It broke God's heart. And it definitely was not profitable for the children of Israel. <clears throat> they went from one problem to another problem. And it was a tremendous thing. So we do not want to have a vision like the children of Israel. We don't want to be like the people around us. <clears throat> Mainly speaking to those people out in the world. We need to check to make sure our drawings aren't that way, that our yearnings are to be in, uh, in ways that please the Lord God. <clears throat> Another example of a poor vision is in Kings. <clears throat> in Second Kings, another very sobering <clears throat> passage, Second Kings chapter 20. about Hezekiah. <coughs> Excuse me. And we know, I guess, if you remember the story of Hezekiah, you know he said he was going to die and, and God says, get your house in order, get your house ready and he fell on his face before the Lord and the Lord granted him another 15 years. <coughs> and so in this time, the extra time that the Lord gave him, <coughs> It almost seems like Hezekiah somewhat lost his vision. I mean, he didn't want to die. He felt, you know, he had a he was a good king, and yet when he got his 15 years extended of life, you know, it's kind of like he just let down his vision or his heart for the Lord. It just uh, something happened in his heart. It seems to be <clears throat> in Second uh, Kings chapter 20, and we'll start reading in verse 13. It says, And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and, and showed them. This is when the, the must be some dignitaries or somebody came from Babylon. And so Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointments, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures, there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. <clears throat> and we may ask ourselves, why did Hezekiah do that? Was it to show off? You know, was it pride on his part? Why did Hezekiah do this? Or you know, he was just being totally open. I don't know. It doesn't say. <clears throat> but he showed them. And he didn't. It, it seems like there wasn't anything that Hezekiah just didn't show them. <clears throat> Then came Isaiah the prophet unto the king unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen? 
in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that they have not sh- I have not showed them. <clears throat> and, Hez- and Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. I mean, if that was spoken to you, would you almost fear and tremble? That would, I would think that would make you fearful. <clears throat> so all, this, all these treasures were going to be carried away. And thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget. And notice, shalt beget. He was going to get. It wasn't that he had. He was going to have more sons in this 15-year period. And, of course, we know that uh, the Manasseh came from him. And what a, he was a horribly wicked king. <clears throat> so, and thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget. Shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. <clears throat> then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. I mean, does that phrase strike you? That sounds funny. Good is the word. Yeah, that's fine. But we see why he says that. <clears throat> and he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? That kind of sounds a little bit selfish, doesn't it? <clears throat> oh, yeah, I mean, these, these horrible things are going to come upon the children of Israel. It's going to come upon his family, his children. Hezekiah's children are going to be carried away. And he says, as long as i got peace and happiness in my days, that's fine. Is that a nearsighted vision? I mean, that's definitely a nearsighted vision. <clears throat> I hope there isn't a parent in this room that says, as long as I'm doing good in the Lord, I don't care about my children. I mean, that's a sad statement, and I don't, I can't imagine anybody in this room having that, uh, uh, that kind of vision. And I hope these young couples that are coming up, <coughs> it's going to be my grandchildren. Are they going to carry forth a vision that will honor the Lord God, that will honor Jesus Christ? <clears throat> and I just feel, I mean, Hezekiah was a good king. He had a heart for the Lord, but did his vision carry on? into his children. <clears throat> and it's sad to say that it didn't. <clears throat> so there again, <clears throat> the young people in church today are are the church. There's today there today's church, there's tomorrow's church. <clears throat> so everyone is important. What kind of vision us as older people, you as younger people, what kind of vision are you going to have? <clears throat> so that's enough of uh, poor vision. I would like to look at some people in the Old Testament or in the Bible that uh, have a good vision. They had a proper vision, proper perspective. <clears throat> if we turn back to Genesis in uh, chapter 18, read a little bit about Abraham. <clears throat> In 18, 18, chapter 18, verse 18, <clears throat> it says here, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, 
and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. <clears throat> and I've always liked that. I underline that that he shall that he shall he will command his children and his household after him. I mean that's. I think that's the heart of many parents, that they want their children to follow in their footsteps. Maybe some parents don't. <clears throat> they tell them, don't do as I do, do as I say, and that's that, that never works. But here the testimony that the Lord had, <clears throat> that I, for I know him, that he will, will command his children and his household after him. Do you want your children to follow in your path? And oftentimes, you know, the children don't, they don't take a step up from the parents. Most likely they take a step down. So we have to hold a standard up as parents. We have to aim high to make our children walk on the same plane that we are walking in. <clears throat> and that's just, that seems to be the way it is. We can think of many, many homes that the children are not walking in the ways that the parents had walked in. And I... That's just a matter of fact, it seems like, from my <clears throat> experience and what I've seen. So we need to raise up a standard for our children. We need to walk that standard. We need to have a vision for our children, <clears throat> uh, to set a vision to high, of a high standard. But so we know that Abraham here, he, the Lord had knew that he was going to command his children after him. And I want that testimony. I would like that testimony. That the Lord would have that for me. <clears throat> I mean, I I want my children to walk, every one of them. I don't want any of them not to walk in the ways of the Lord. I, that would be a terrible, tremendous grief for me. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in the hearts of my children over the past five, six years. Uh, partly due to the church here. Uh, Living Hope has really uh, helped my children tremendously. <clears throat> Okay, I'd like to turn to another character here in Genesis 39. And this really here points to towards our young people. We'll look at another example. And uh, in Genesis 39, we're going to read about Joseph. And you know what? Joseph was one of those, one of the greatest Old Testament characters. And he was a young man. Anybody know of the uh, approximate age of Joseph when he was carried away to Egypt? 17? Upper teens? And it would be good for you young men, even you young ladies, if you were carried away into a foreign land, a heathen land, an idolatrous land in your teenage years, would you have enough of, of God's knowledge of the Lord? sustain you your entire life to keep you from falling into <clears throat> gross sin <clears throat> so in Genesis 39 and verse 7 we'll hear this conversation with Joseph <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said lie with me but he refused and said unto his master's wife behold my master wadeth not what is with me in the house he hath committed 
all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Would you be able to, you young men, would you be able to stand against that kind of temptation? You're in a foreign land. Nobody's going to see what's going on. Nobody physically in this life. But the Lord God sees all things. But Joseph had a vision that carried him through that time. And the Lord blessed him for his faithfulness. Because he saw he wasn't going to sin against his fellow man. He was going to sin sin against the Lord God. Uh, Do we have that kind of vision that, that would sustain us even in times of great temptation? Tremendous temptation. Would our vision sustain us? Would our eyesight be focused on the Lord? I'd like to turn to another character. Another example of another young man over in the book of Daniel. I guess we could uh, pick up quite a few characters out of the book of Daniel here. In uh, Daniel chapter 1, we'll look at Daniel himself, what he says here. And I wonder if Joseph didn't do something similar to this, but in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested that the prince of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. And I've always thought on that phrase that Daniel purposed in his heart. He didn't wait until he was tempted. He already prepared an answer. He knew what his answer was. Prepared ahead of time. You don't wait until a time of temptation to know what you're going to do in the time of temptation. Yeah, the Lord is going to make a way of escape. There's no temptation taking you. That God can't make a way of escape. But you don't wait. You prepare your purpose in your heart. I will not do this. And that's what Daniel did. Maybe Joseph did the similar. But Daniel purposed in his heart ahead of time. He was in a foreign land. How old was he? From my understanding, he was in his teen years. Hardly anybody else there that he knew. I mean, you had the other three Hebrew children. But he... He could have went off and sinned. What did the other children do? What did the rest of the young young people do? <clears throat> but Daniel himself, he said he purposed in his, in his heart not to be defiled with the king's meat. All these temptations, these delicacies, and this lavish lifestyle, he says, I'm not going to give in to my flesh in doing this. So he purposed in his heart ahead of time. <clears throat> that vision carried him through the rest of his life. It continued. He was faithful. And uh, God saw that faithfulness and blessed him with many revelations and dreams and power. And, and uh, he had much, much blessings poured upon him. <clears throat> okay, I'd like to turn to a New Testament character. <clears throat> Apostle Paul will read about. We'll turn to Philippians.
Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Start reading in verse 12. <clears throat> so the Apostle Paul says here, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. And I think that's something that uh, for our vision, <clears throat> to seek things correctly, we can't esteem our, what our vision is or where we're at spiritually as thinking we're above anybody else. That's not a humbleness. <clears throat> but, and that's what Apostle Paul is saying here. <clears throat> I haven't arrived. I haven't achieved everything. I know there's more place for me to grow. There's things. My eyesight, my vision could probably be improved. Spiritually, our eyesight can always be improved. <clears throat> and, but he says, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and, pre- and reaching forth unto those things which are before. <clears throat> says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And as I look, thought on that verse, <clears throat> he presses toward that mark. He keeps looking and I thought, that's almost like looking through a rifle scope. And I don't know how many of you have ever looked through a rifle scope. Sometimes it's hard to pick up what you're pointing at. <clears throat> I know Amos and Titus are out uh, looking at hunting coyotes back home, and Amos or Titus was trying to tell him it's over there, over there, and Amos was trying to, you know, that scope. You kind of got to get general aim, and then you look through the scope, and then you can find it because the scope is vision is so focused, it's so narrow, it's not a broad vision. It's almost like blinders on a horse, and it's once you get focused on there, then you can see clearly, can't you? It's amazing the magnification that it can bring and and aid us into hunting. Is your spiritual vision that way? Are you so focused spiritually on the Lord Jesus Christ that all these other distractions don't distract you like blinders on a horse? We need that. Sometimes, especially the day and age we we are living in, there's much distractions out there. So I feel that that's almost what... uh, Apostle Paul, his, he was so focused on Christ. And that was his vision. That was his direction. He had his crosshairs right on Christ. And he continued on. And he's, he wasn't distracted. And we need that. Especially modern day technology and things that are out there. And we live in a, a society that money comes pretty easy. And affluence comes pretty easy. We can be distracted by these things. <clears throat> so is your vision <clears throat> going to carry you through? <clears throat> Another example that I thought of, of having a vision, and this is another Old Testament character, I thought of Noah. Do you think Noah had a vision? Can you, could you possibly withstand a hundred years, a hundred plus years of mockery to build an ark that nobody else had ever built? And from what I understand, they never had rain. Maybe told them, hey, it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. What's rain? What does that mean? I don't understand what you're meaning. But he had a vision, even though uh, there wasn't physical proof of a rain coming. God told him to do that, and he had a vision and continued building <clears throat> for a hundred years. I mean, that's an incredible 
uh, project, I would think. <clears throat> None of us have had a project that lasts that long. <clears throat> but do we have a vision that would help us to carry us through whatever project the Lord may call us to do? So how is your vision <clears throat> this morning? And I thought where your eyes are focused, that is the direction you'll end up. Uh, I guess uh, I've heard people say, show me your friends, I'll show you, show them, I'll show you your future. Because uh, uh, wherever your eyes are focused, whatever you're looking on, focused on, that is where you're going to go. It's pretty hard to walk. Looking back here, if I was trying to look at Simeon and try to walk through that doorway and keep my eyes on Simeon, I'd probably miss the doorway, wouldn't I? I need to be looking where I'm walking. I need to focus. And I'd like to read a verse out of Matthew. <clears throat> talking about our eyesight. <coughs> Chapter 6. Matthew 6 and... I shared this message back home. I had a wrong reference, so I got to correct it this time. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 22. <clears throat> says, the light of the body is the eye. Is your eye important? I mean, our eyes are very important. <clears throat> so it says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And I guess... I think of this uh, verse, you know, having a either somebody that has trouble with focus, double vision. I mean, who would like to have double vision? Trying to live with double vision. <clears throat> it would be pretty hard, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe some of you have experienced that through uh, something. It would be very hard to have your eye not seeing the same thing, not focusing on things. <clears throat> it would be very hard <clears throat> to do things and... <clears throat> that we need to do. But if thine eye be evil, <clears throat> thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So how is our eyesight? <clears throat> is our vision? You know, the Pharisees, they, they thought they saw things. The Pharisees did. They thought they saw things clearly. <clears throat> and Jesus says, you're blind. And they were tr truly blind. We can have a spiritual blindness, and we may think we can see. But, and that's where our brothers can come in. They can, they can be our eye doctor. They can say, well, do you see this clearly? And, and take us to Scripture. <clears throat> but if our eyes are being single, we, have, we can focus on things and understand things and walk in the ways of truth, our ways will go well. It will go well with us. <clears throat> But if we have a double vision, you know, like the children of Israel, I think they had a double vision. They had a vision of the world around them. They saw all this pomp and, and about the kings and all this, and they wanted to be like that. Why? Why did they, they had the Lord God to be their king and their leader. I mean, mighty king and doing mighty things, mighty miracles. But they wanted to be like the nations around them. Why? So how is our vision? Do we have a double vision? <clears throat> <clears throat> Let's turn over to John. <clears throat> Talk about the blinded, <clears throat> the way the Pharisees were blinded in John chapter 9. 
maybe I'll ask you, why did the Pharisees, why were the Pharisees blind? What would be a sin that the Pharisees were blinded by? <clears throat> oh, there's probably many. <clears throat> Anybody got any suggestions? Why, why were the Pharisees blind? What blinded the Pharisees? Spiritual pride, yeah, envy. They all, I mean, envy and pride, jealousy, they're all <clears throat> interwoven, interconnected, yes. <clears throat> the pride. In uh, John 9, <clears throat> uh, 39, it says here, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see, which see not, might see, and that they, they which see, might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said, said unto them, If you were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. And I think that's that spiritual pride. <laughs> oh, I, we know. We know. We know the Christ. <laughs> And they say, we know what the Christ is going to be. We know what he's going to do. And Jesus Christ was standing right there before them. And they didn't see him. They didn't realize all these prophecies in the Old Testament were plain to them. But their spiritual pride blinded them. Can we be guilty of spiritual pride today? <clears throat> we can't. Oh, I know that. A man that thinketh he knoweth the matter, what? Doesn't know as he should. <clears throat> we all can have room to grow. <clears throat> And that's where our brothers can come in. That's where a church fellowship can come in. <clears throat> that they can be our eye doctors. <clears throat> Things that can keep us humble if we turn to and keep our vision correct. <clears throat> if we turn to first or second Peter. In Second Peter, uh, <clears throat> chapter one and verse nine, it says, "But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." So, forgetting where we came from, forgetting where the Lord brought us from, will bring blindness to our eyes. But if we see and realize what the Lord has saved us from, that will fine-tune our eyesight that will keep our vision clear and focused if we keep in mind what the Lord has done for us, to be thankful. <clears throat> and uh, I shared here uh, while back, back at home, uh, being thankful, having thanks living. That's, that's something that the children of Israel there in the wilderness, they weren't thankful for what they had, what the Lord God provided for them. Having a thankful heart and a heart that realizes what we've been given, what the Lord has done in our hearts and lives, will help our vision to see clearly and, and correctly. We'll see <coughs> things in God's, from God's perspective. <coughs> I'd like to close with a few verses here <coughs> in Revelation. This is to the church at uh, Laodicea, if I remember correctly. <coughs> I'll not read the whole 
<clears throat> the whole uh, portion on Laodicean church. But in chapter 3, and we'll go down to verse 17. <clears throat> says here, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Sounds pretty prideful, doesn't it? That spiritual pride. <clears throat> I don't need anything. I don't have any room to grow spiritually. Have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. <clears throat> I mean, that's where the Lord really snatched us all from, isn't it? Uh, we are all wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. <clears throat> I counsel thee, it says here, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salves, that thou mayest seest. Do we ever go before the Lord and say, Lord, show me. Help me to see. Anoint mine eyes with eye salves, that I may see things clearly. And maybe that's an opportunity to go to our brother and say, Hey, do you see anything in my life that's not quite right? Are we really open that way? Do we, will we humble ourselves saying, Do you see anything in my life that's not quite right? I mean, if, if you want this church to prosper and spiritually prosper well, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing you to submit yourselves to these brothers that they, they can speak into their hearts, your hearts. And that's what God has ordained them partly to do, is to shepherd this flock, to shepherd this group. <coughs> Are you willing to go to them and say, hey, what do you see? Is there anything in my life that's not quite right? And to take what they say. I mean, if you truly believe that the Lord was in this ordination, you know, I believe there's an anointing on them that they will see. They will have insight. Uh, <coughs> I mean, they will have a burden. Uh, on them, they'll, they'll feel that the Lord's put a burden on them to lead this group, and I, I feel that's what uh, the Lord did back home <clears throat> for me. Is kind of gave me a responsibility, felt the burden of a responsibility to lead there and direct, and that I needed to have a vision for the church there. And I look back <clears throat> at our history when uh, Phil uh, mentioned about having a vision, you know. I didn't really fully understand what he meant by that, and I see the need for that. And I look back where we were as a church, and we didn't have a vision. We didn't have somebody leading us in a vision that, I guess, the direction I wanted to go. <clears throat> and as church issues came up, and, and especially the past six, seven years, <clears throat> when I had a vision and a heart to take the church in a direction, I found out, well, the church didn't want to go that way. And that's... That's truly sad. <clears throat> and not that I have a perfect vision. I mean, I'm open to anybody speaking to my life. But the burden of my message <clears throat> really came <clears throat> when Pablo Yoder, after I heard about him having cancer and, and, uh, and going down, and, and I thought, who's going to take up this torch from Pablo? From <clears throat> and then, you know, Brother Mark, uh, been having his health issues here recently, you know, who's... Who's going to take up these torches? Uh, these older men, I think of Brother Denny and Brother Mose. Who's going to carry on the vision? Uh, is it me? Is it you young people? Who's going to carry on that vision? How is your vision? <clears throat> and if it was left up to you, I'd like to leave you with this question. If it was left up to you, what vision would you pass off to the next generation? 
I mean, I, I guess I'm passing off my vision to my children, and they're picking it up. What kind of vision are they going to take on? What kind of vision are they going to take on and pass on to their children? So that's what I had. Thank you.